Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Today, I'm going to be talking about the New York Rangers getting a big win over the Devils. Huge, huge win. Rangers are now 10-0-1 over their last 11. I'm also going to be talking about Rutgers basketball finding its groove. We beat Howard again, 85-63 on Saturday. Talk about how Derek Simpson is maturing and Rutgers being 4-0 with the rack. So let's go ahead and get started. So the New York Rangers, we're going to start with. They got a big, big win over the New Jersey Devils on Saturday night. The Rangers are now 10-0-1 over the last 11 games, which is amazing considering some of the huge injuries that the Rangers have had and built up. Obviously playing without Igor Shosturkin for the last 16 days, playing without Adam Fox since November 2nd. Heedle has been out indefinitely, and the Rangers essentially keep rolling. Now, this was a big test for the Rangers because as everyone knows, the Devils knocked the Rangers out of the playoffs last year. Devils seem like a sharp fast, rising team with tons of team speed. Uh, They still seem, in my mind, to be a little bit better than the Rangers overall. We're going to see if the Rangers' style this year under Peter Lavillette is able to neutralize some of that blazing speed of the uh, Jersey Devils throughout the year and if we meet them in the playoffs. But this was another hard-hitting, exciting, really a playoff atmosphere-type game against New Jersey on Saturday night. The Rangers had leads in the game of one nothing. We were also up 2-1. to one. The Devils tied at each time, and then they also took a 3-2 lead in the third period. Then the Rangers eventually came back. This was really a very even game in just about every single stat. It was kind of even in <clears throat> face-offs. I think the Rangers had another small edge, which they continue to have as a strength this year, something that they never, ever had in the past. and something that I have been espousing for years and years, how face-offs is kind of the overlooked critical thing in hockey. Um, the Rangers did okay in face-offs. Uh, in some of the big spots, I don't think they did as well against the Devils. But overall, they did have more face-off wins than losses. Um, the game went back and forth. Jimmy Vesey eventually scored with under three minutes left to give the Rangers a lead for good. At 4-3, to three, the Rangers would end up adding an empty netter to eventually win 5-3. to three. It really, really felt like a playoff game, though. There were chants going both ways in the crowd. There were big hits. There was like end-to-end nonstop action, long periods of time without whistles, exciting back-and-forth action. Yeah, Jacob Truba hitting everything and everybody in sight. Truba had one particularly awesome hit against the Devils. Thomas Nosek right in front of Igor Shosturkin. Dislodged him from the puck. It was friggin' awesome. Uh, he had a couple other hits as well, and the team as a whole really played with an edge and really hit a lot, and so did the Devils. It was really an exciting kind of uh, playoff-style game. <clears throat> the difference in this game in the end ended up being, once again, Artemi Panarin, who is having just an all-world type season. He is just an unbelievable player. Last year, <clears throat> we know he had some troubles, and especially in the playoffs again, uh, he seemed to come out with a renewed determination this year and uh, playing just unbelievably, incredibly well. He has now points in each of each and every of the 15 games the Rangers have played this year. He's got a 15-game streak of points to start the season, which is the most ever in Rangers history. Um, he had two goals against the Devils on Saturday night. The first goal was on the power play to put the Rangers up one nothing, And then the crucial goal where he tied the game with nine minutes left after the Devils had come back and taken the lead in the third period. And that one changed the momentum. When, when Panarin got the goal, the tie to 3-3, three, three, 
in the third, it changed everything. The crowd kind of changed. The Rangers' momentum changed. And we were headed for a loss until that goal. So it was really, really uh, important, impressive. Panarin is playing just incredibly. He's one of the best players in the NHL. And he is showcasing that each and every night so far. He's had an incredible start. I mean, just... If you watch him night in and night out, you can see just how amazing he is. He has incredible accuracy on his shots, incredible accuracy. He's one of the, on his passes too, one of the best passers in all of the NHL. And it's just fun to watch him. And it's, you know, very proud and glad to have him on the, on the Rangers. He's one of the best players around. He's so valuable to the team, especially now with the injuries that the Rangers are still going through without Adam Fox on the team. Having Panarin on the power play really, really hurts. And certainly Gustafson stepping up and playing defense and playing the point on the power play really has helped the Rangers. Um, and, and he's really showed that he can be a valuable part of this team as well. <clears throat> but in any case, Panarin is just incredible. And he was the difference last night against the New Jersey Devils. <clears throat> now, Igor Shosturkin had been out for 16 straight days. And this was his first game back. And it certainly looked like it. He showed some rust, particularly early. He had a couple of squeaky goals against him. Where they kind of squeaked through him. It looked like he made the save, and then they kind of rolled behind him and in. Um, really not great, but he kind of got stronger as the game got on. He ended up making some really big saves in the second and particularly third periods. And we'll see how he does as he works off the rust. I'm sure he'll be fine. We had issues again with the refs last night. The Rangers really have a tough time with the refs. I don't understand why it is, but um, last night was another game. Let's see what happened in the game. We had a goal where the Devils, Hughes, shot it, and the whistle was blown. And then about a second later, the puck rolled into the net. They called it no goal. They showed a replay where the ref blew the whistle, and then like a second later, the puck rolled into the net. So everyone thought no goal. They went to the review, and yes, it's a goal. And they just talked about a continuous play or something. I don't know. Bottom line is that, you know, I've never seen a case where it's clear that the whistle was blown first and they still allow the goal. But this was a case for that, so there's one. The other one was there was a penalty where Lindgren got hit. Um, and I forget the devil who did it. But they had called the penalty. They had called the two-minute penalty on the devils. And then the refs got together after the stoppage and they said, you know what? This is a five minute major penalty. Okay. Five minute major against the Devils. Then they went to review and said, you know what? It's not a penalty at all. Never mind two or five. No penalty whatsoever. That's the first time I've ever seen that as well. They went from a two minute penalty to a five minute penalty to no penalty at all. So, yeah, the refs, we, we've had our issues with the refs this year. And seemingly every review that has to do with a goal has gone against the Rangers in this calendar year. I don't really understand why that is. Um, it's just a bunch of bad luck or bad calls. There, there were one in, in the previous game, oh, my God, where the puck was sitting in the net and they reviewed it and they called it a no goal in the Rangers. So it was a big time in the game. Bottom line is the Rangers are fighting the refs and the opponents again this year. And uh, there were two interesting calls against the Devils as well. The last thing I want to leave you with before I go ahead and talk about Rutgers here, for the Rangers – the Rangers' depth <clears throat> and their character is evident. Jimmy VC made some big plays against his former team, scored two goals, including the clutch game winner late in the third period with under three minutes left. The Rangers are playing without Adam Fox. 
which I cannot tell you what a loss that is. They're playing without Heedle, who was their second-line center. And now we've moved Trocek up there. Although Trocek has been playing relatively well, he's generally not my favorite, but he seems to be playing much better under this coach than he has under the previous one. So we'll see if maybe it's a style thing, maybe it's a system thing, but Trocek has been noticeably, noticeably better this year than he has in previous years because I was not a fan at all uh, of, of Trocek being on this team. Um, I was fine with him on the third line. I hated him on the second line last year. But so far this year, since Hedl went down, Trojak has stepped up and really played well. But, you know, when you talk about depth and character, you're talking about no Fox, no Hedl, no Igor Shosturkin for two and a half weeks, right? So just, just you know, go to another team. Take a Norris Trophy winning defenseman, put him on the bench. Take the Vezina Trophy winning goalie, put him on the bench. Take your second line center and put them on the bench indefinitely. <laughs> How do you think those teams are going to do? The Rangers have been just nothing but spectacular since they've been out. The Rangers have not lost some regulation in over a month at this point. It, it's been a long time. Um, so the character of the Rangers, the depth of the Ranger is evident, uh, whether that's coaching, whether that's circumstance, whether it's some new players put together by jury, hard to tell right now. Um, but what we do know um, is that the Rangers are rolling, and it is very, very exciting. It was a great game against the Devils. The Rangers take on the Dallas Stars Monday night on the road in Dallas, so let's go, Rangers. Let's go ahead and move on to Rutgers basketball, who is finding its groove. Rutgers beat Howard Saturday night at the Rack, 85-63. to Derek Simpson had a really good game and then with 23 points and looking very smooth all over the court. Rutgers is now 4-0 at home and they're kind of starting to come together as a team. <clears throat> now, this was a game where Howard kind of hung around for a long time in this game. Pesky made a lot of threes late in the game. Basically, until the middle of the second half, it was really a game. It was 57-50 to at one point until Rutgers started <clears throat> pulling away and ended up beating them 85-63. It was interesting because the prior game, where Rutgers beat Georgetown. Georgetown was beat, and you know, basically Rutgers showed our defense in that game, and that was quite a showcase for Rutgers defense. Certainly our best defensive game of the year was against Georgetown. Then this one kind of showcased our offense, which you know had not been <clears throat> very consistent all year. This is one of our best offensive games of the year, for sure, bar none. As I mentioned, Derek Simpson had 23 points. That included 7 of 10 shooting, he hit two of two from three-pointers. You finally, finally missed a free throw. He's been shooting free throws tremendously this year, but he still hit seven of nine free throws. He's been pretty good for us over the last couple of games, and he's starting to mature. He's starting to come on, and he is a critical part of Rutgers' development this year. We need him to play well if Rutgers is going to play well. He's very important to our team, particularly without Moat Magda. We need someone who can defend. Simpson does that well. And we need someone who can drive and get to the hoop. And Simpson does that well, consistently, whether or not his shot is falling. So that's a really good thing. Also, Cliff Amori had, in my mind, his best game of the year. He had 15 points. He had 14 rebounds. Really, really strong effort. Also, Noah Fernandez had his absolute best game of the year. Um, he ended up with 12 points, but he looked smooth. He was distributing the ball. He was driving. He had a few threes. He was really good. And Oscar Ponquist, I thought, also played really well. Chipped in with seven points and played a very strong game. <clears throat> uh, Rutgers overall 
shot 54% from the field, which is for us really good. Shockingly, if you make more shots than you miss, which Rutgers almost never does, that's a very good thing. Um, our free throw shooting was again poor. We shot 62% from the line, which is terrible. Um, we have to continue to work on that and improve that. And it's just uh, a continuing point of frustration for this podcast, or if you listen to this podcast. Um, but we did shoot 54% from the field, 32 of 59. And we ended up also with 19 assists, which is good. That means you're distributing the ball and not always being selfish. So when you have a lot of assists, you generally are playing well as a team. It's not always that way, but that's what, you know, it does correlate, believe me. Um, Derek Simpson's development is critical, as I mentioned a minute ago, and he was really, really good in this game. Very smooth. He had a couple spectacular drives to the hoop, using his body to shield people, laying it in with the left hand a few times. He hit a few three-pointers. Um, he continues to hit his free throws, which is just tremendous. Um, we do need to see more consistency. Simpson is now no longer a freshman at this point. He's played just about every single game, you know, in the first year, last year, and now this year. Um, so what I want to see is some more consistency out of him. Uh, he's no longer a freshman. It's time for him to, you know, bear down as he has been on defense and <clears throat> see if we can get a little more consistency with his shot because that's going to be a big deal. We do need someone who can, with a little more consistency, hit some jump shots. He is consistently a good driver to the hoop good distributor and with him and Jermichael Davis being able to drive to the hoops. And, you know, when Mike comes back, he can do that as well. Uh, we have several playmakers who can really break down a defense and that's critical once you get into big 10 play. <clears throat> Certainly Noah Fernandez played his best game for Rutgers so far. Um, before this game, I was wondering what all the hoopla was about. I had read a lot of things about him and he's obviously a, you know, transfer senior portal transfer, and there was a lot of talk about how good he was, but I haven't really seen it on display for Rutgers. Now, last night against Howard, he had his best game, and he hit a, he hit a few threes. He drove well. He had some good assists. He played some good defense. We need to see more of this. Certainly, he had his best game, and I want to see more of that out of Noah. He's another critical person who can drive along with J. Mike and along with uh, Derek Simpson and eventually Mag when he gets back. I mentioned that Cliff had a huge game. He basically dominated on both sides of the court. Uh, when he was on defense, he rejected all kinds of shots. He had a lot of rebounds. He was intimidating shots even when he didn't have blocks. When he was on the offense, he had tons of dunks, had some nice plays inside. A couple of the dunks looked like ang angry dunks, and it was said that by the commentators on the BTN Plus broadcast, too, where uh, it looked like he was angry, and it's good. I think he Cliff should play angry and you know if he can actually stay out of fucking foul trouble and play angry I'd be very happy but you know he wasn't in foul trouble last night thank god but there's been too many games already this year where he needs to uh rein in his fouls but continue to play with authority speaking of Miss J Mike a minute ago um uh, Davis we need Jamichael Davis to distribute more than shoot and in this game against Howard he actually did that he had four assists uh, including a really nice one where he drove in, had a nice bounce pass to Oscar Ponquas, who dunked it in the second half. And that was nice. He ended up with four assists. And for J-Mike, more of that, please. Less shooting, more assists. Um, he doesn't seem to be a great shooter. 
And also, he just seems to be a piss-poor free-throw shooter, which bothers the shit out of me for guards. For me, I don't know. It's been known since the beginning of time that big people don't particularly shoot free-throws very well. So if a center like Amori or some other 6'9", 6'10", guy doesn't shoot free-throws well, even though it's against common sense, it's what we've seen since the beginning of time. Guards are supposed to be shooters, right? They're supposed to be, you know, especially good free-throw shooters. And so when I see a point guard who, again, last night he's one for three, from the free throw line. He's got to be better. I need to see J. Mike distribute more and hit his free throws a little more. Again, it's early, and certainly we haven't gotten much into his career, but he does play strong defense, and he's very fast and very twitchy. But less shooting, more distributing, Davis. Thank you. Uh, Also, one thing I wanted to touch on was Antoine Wolfolk. Before this season, I had really high hopes um, about Wolfolk's development. I thought that he would play a bigger part in our offense and be a little more involved than he has been. Now, I know he doesn't get a ton of minutes, and when he does, we don't really get him the ball very often. But the times that we have, I don't think he's been as good as I had hoped he's been. He's also been in a little bit of foul trouble lately. I expected a little more from Anton Wolfolk in his development this year. Um, we'll see if I'm right or wrong as the season goes on, but he's a little behind where I hoped he'd be. I really like his touch under the basket and I feel like there might be better ways to utilize him. We'll see if that actually happens here um, and how his development is, or if, or if he's just more of a role player, you know, six, eight minutes off the bench kind of guy. We're going to see as the year goes on, but I'm hoping that he does continue to develop and, and, you know, I expect more from him. Overall, the Rutgers basketball team is really coming together as a team in general, and we're playing well, and you could see that it was never more evident than last night against Howard. While Howard stuck around for a while, I never really felt like they were in danger of, you know, um, taking a lead or threatening us, and certainly different parts of the team that hadn't played well previously, or at least as well as they did last night, came together in the same game, you have Ponquist looking as good as he ever has. You have Noah Fernandez looking as good as he ever has for Rutgers. You had Simpson with his best game maybe ever as a Knight, certainly his best game this year. You had Amori with probably his best game this year. So you had, <clears throat> I'd say, four different Rutgers players who had their best games this year for sure, and a couple of them maybe their best games ever as Rutgers players. So when you see that coming together uh, at once, you start to think that maybe this team is coming together a little bit. Now, certainly Howard is not a great opponent, but we you can tell when you watch the game that certain aspects of the Rutgers game, the way that we're pressing on defense and trapping, the way that we're starting to get steals, I think and Howard ended up with like 15 turnovers in the first half. Some of those were not due to great defense. Against Georgetown, when they turned the ball over, we played great defense. Against Howard... When they turn the ball over, some of those were kind of, I don't know if say lazy passes, but passes you shouldn't make. We did play good defense, but um, I would attribute the Georgetown defense uh, game as much more attributable to turnovers to us as opposed to this game. In any case, the team is coming together. There was one more thing I wanted to mention before I get out of here, and that is there was a survey <coughs> about the rack renovations that are possibly coming up. Jersey Mike's Arena, of course, it's called now. And they're discussing possibilities to renovating the rack. And I'm going to call it the rack because I do not like calling it Jersey Mike's. It was always the rack when I grew up. So 
they're talking about various things. And there was a very long survey that went out. And I thought it was going to be a couple questions, but it went on and on and on. It took me like 10 minutes to get through it all. And basically, a lot of it they're looking to at least ask about, if not put in high-end stuff, which bothers the shit out of me. And it's critical that Rutgers doesn't make any renovations to the rack that will change the atmosphere. Because right now it is the trapezoid of terror, right? And it's just loud and fans are right on top of you. And while the fan experience when you're there as a fan may not be great because there's half of the seats have no seat backs and there's only two. Oh, God, there's so few bathrooms on the place. It's just ridiculous. Um, some of the amenities are really bad. So there, there's things that they can contribute. But I don't want any changes to the rack, which would change the atmosphere. There's lots of things about it. Would you pay $450? For this particular type of seating, they show this open area stuff where, I don't know, you know, I don't want them taking away, you know, 500 loud Rutgers fan seats to make, you know, 20 or 25 tables where a bunch of ritzy people that won't cheer and, you know, will be talking to their business buddies at, you know, will will take those. And so there was a bunch of questions about what you'd prefer. Now, there were some good ideas, widening the concourse, you know, having more or better entrances because it, it's, you know, you get funneled into a very small area. You know, there's very few entrances. And when you're walking in there, the concourse is narrow, like to have a wider open area, you know, separated, you know, where you're not taking away seats, but you're a, a better area to walk, maybe an open air area. Certainly more bathrooms and more concession stands would help the fan experience. If you put seat backs on the seats, that would certainly help the fan experience. But anything that will change the, you know, the vibe and the feel of the trapezoid of terror, the rack uh, should not be taken upon. And anyway, um, th there was a a lengthy survey about what would be and wouldn't be good. And I certainly expressed my thoughts in that. So I guess we'll, we'll see what, if anything comes of that. It was said by um, the athletic director Hobbs that no changes will be coming before the beginning of next season. So when we have Ace Bailey in here and hopefully Dylan Harper and a bunch of other good players, it will be the exact same rack as it is today. Maybe after that season, they might do some renovations, but they're not going to change anything between this year and next year. So that, at least that's good to know. And that's about it. Um, Rutgers is off until a week from Monday. So not this Monday coming up, but one more Monday, uh, which is November 30th when they're home against St. Peter's. So let's go, are you? And that's it. That's all I have for you today. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, everybody.